something about that name. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Reach out to Jesus. Reach out and touch the robe. Reach out and touch the hem of his garment. Master, Savior, Jesus, let all heaven and earth proclaim kings and kingdoms shall all pass away but there's something about that name you see how the atmosphere can just shift we didn't need the music we didn't need and that thank god for it but you can call on the name of jesus the bible says anyone who calls on the name of jesus shall be saved that's rescued delivered that's healed that's set free you call on the name of jesus and you shall be doesn't matter what your situation is he will lift you from the pit of despair from the bog and the mire and set you on a firm rock and he will put a new song in your heart and many will see and be amazed because he is the king of kings and he's the lord of lords and his name is jesus he's the great i am He's mighty to save. He's the God of heaven's armies. He's the living word. There is none like him. He's the resurrection and he's the life. Death couldn't hold him. He came and resurrected and he gave us new life. And anyone who calls on the name of Jesus shall be saved. That's why, that's why we sing and we get excited. I want to just share... I just felt maybe there was some question of why are we shouting while we're worshiping? You know, it's biblical. Psalm 95, oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. There's something about shouting joyfully. That's not just a Pentecostal thing. That was before Pentecost. That was David writing that. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with songs. For the Lord is the great God and the great king above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. 
You see how that you can shout for joy in one instance and you can bow and kneel before him in the next. His name is Jesus. There's no one like our God. He's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Whatever you need, he is. His arm's not too short, church. Well, I feel the presence of the Lord. And it ain't like, it's the presence of the Lord because I'm like four and a half hours of sleep since Friday. <laughs> Roy said, Pastor, you better be on fire today or I'm going to go out in the parking lot. And I said, Roy, I don't know what to tell you about that one, man. I haven't slept. <laughs> well, you're still here, Roy, so praise God. <laughs> well, had a great time. If, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a funny thing. There were some stats given by our, our men's leader, Steve, and, and uh, it was pretty amazing, the stats, of that when men and when fathers come to church, like 93% of the time, the rest of the family does. And look around right now. We got about 17 men, 18 men, something like that, up at camp. And some of you came anyways, but there's a lot because... The man isn't there and the husband isn't here. There's a lot of empty seats. And you know what? It's such a vital thing for men to set that standard. And, and there's just such a thing that God has put on men because the stats are crazy when they're not the ones that, that get saved. When it's the, the mom, and thank God for moms, godly moms holding it down. That's amazing. Thank God for that. But, but it just isn't the same. It's like 30% of the time when moms get saved that the kids will come. 93% when fathers. You think there's a, a pretty good attack and a reason why the enemy's attacking fathers and manhood? I'll guarantee it. So let me tell you, like, there's some pretty awesome men up there in Pinecrest. They're probably getting ready to wrap it up and uh, start heading down the hill here shortly. But we had a great time. Uh, we had fun time, but we had a powerful time with the Lord. And we talked about biblical masculinity. And it's a lot different than what you might think. It wasn't a like, you guys need to man up and get your stuff together and start. None of that. Well, maybe a little bit of that. I think we shot a thousand rounds of, good Lord. We, we, I'll tell you what, if there's ever a problem, we're going to be okay here. I'll just let me, let me tell you something. I'm fully convinced of that. We got some people who know how to shoot, and we got a <laughs> we still recording this? Anyways. We can edit things, right? Praise God. <laughs> but uh, we had a powerful time. Uh, a lot of fish were caught, but a lot of, uh, I believe you're going to see uh, men leading by example in a, in a really awesome area of going after God. And uh, one of the main topics that, that we talked about was um, pursuing and going into the weak areas of our lives broken areas, the hurt areas. The, you see, I don't know, but most men, we will do everything possible to avoid that area. We hate weakness. Like, if, if we don't know how to fix something really good, um, if that sink is dripping really bad, like, we will figure out a way to avoid that area. Because it exposes my weakness to know how to fix that. So I just want to keep away from that. And we get really good at it. I mean, really good at it. Even when, did you know that, is that dripping? Wow. Okay. Yeah, I haven't really noticed that. Lately. Because 
haven't been in that room for two weeks. <laughs> but anyways, uh, we covered that pretty strong. And uh, I think there's a lot of uh, men that accepted this challenge to pursue and go after because it's in those areas, church of our lives, where you feel weak and powerless and don't have the answers. That's where God's supernatural strength shows up when you go into that place. And, you, and we don't need help with our strength. How many know that? I don't need help with there, and I don't, and I don't even ask for God's supernatural strength in my strengths because I don't think I need it. But oh, let me tell you about my weaknesses. That's where God shows up, and that's where He's waiting for us. And and I, I just believe that there was uh, some powerful things happening um, up at that camp, and and thank God that Old Oak Ranch canceled. It was beautiful. It was a great great thing. Sometimes plans change. And the Lord can be in that. Amen? So, if you have your Bibles, or today I would say if you have your sword. How many have a sword? I see some swords. Awesome. Now, don't get mad. There's such a thing as e-swords, too. It's all good. I'm <laughs> but, but I like, I don't know, I just like the real thing. Like, the battery don't go out on it. I don't have to charge it. Like, I can grab a hold of it, and I can open it up. Now, I do like e-swords, too. I'm just saying, like, you can swipe it up and click this and highlight that, and that's pretty cool. But there's nothing like having a good old-fashioned sword. So if you have your Bibles, where do you think we're going to be? <laughs> you guys are great. It's only been six weeks, probably. <laughs> Ephesians 6. Um for the sake of time today, I'm not going to read um, the whole passage that you many of you are familiar with um, from six chapter ten or six chapter six of Ephesians from verse ten um, to about seventeen eighteen. But I really want to just focus. Um, we, we started last week on the helmet of salvation, and we didn't get any further. So the rest of that verse is and take the helmet of salvation. How many put on the helmet of salvation this week? And the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit. The first thing that I recognize, it says, of the Spirit, so that's not of the flesh. It's not natural. This is a supernatural sword. Now, I like, I like, like, when we get to this part of the passage, like, up until this point, it's all defensive, pretty much. But we get to this part, and it's now an offensive weapon. And I like that because defense is all good. But at some point, like if you're dropping bombs on me and I just got to like block for a long time, that's not fun. And it's not going to stop until I throw some bombs back. You with me? So it's we got to have our armor and thank God. We got to have a shield of faith. Thank God. We got to have a helmet of salvation. But in order for this attack to stop, I'm going to have to stick somebody with that sword. So. You can go out that in a natural way. How many do that sometimes? Like, man, I'm going to use my words, and I'm going to go after this, and I'm going to get the sticking. How's that work out? Because that's bull when it says sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Oh, bull, they stick pretty good. But his words are supernatural. His words have a power. 
that is not your power. So if you're taking notes, um, first thing I'm going to say here is about the sword of the spirit. It is not enough that you were not conquered. Okay, it's not enough that we're on the defense and we're just not getting conquered. It's not enough that we're just not conquered. You have to conquer. All right. You, you with me? It's not enough just not getting conquered. That's good that you didn't get conquered. But he did equip us, and he's called us more than conquerors. What is that? Like, I've, what is more than a conqueror? I'm like, dude, I just want to be a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. Okay. Like, what's that? Does anyone know? Well, I mean, I can say I'm an overcomer, I'm a son, I'm a king's priest. I mean, but he's talking about more than a conqueror. That's, is that like Navy SEAL stuff? Like, special forces? Because I'm down. Like, like, let's go there. I'm pretty sure that's a fully equipped person, man or woman of God, that knows how to conquer. It's probably been doing it for a while. You're more than a conqueror. It's not like, it ain't your first rodeo. You've probably been in a couple scrapes here and there. You with me? So when I began to look at the sword of the spirit, like most of you, uh, my mind went to Hebrews chapter 4. And I'm going to use the amplified today. Um, why do you think that is? I want it amplified. <laughs> that wasn't a trick question. <laughs> it's low-hanging fruit with me. I haven't slept for a while, so <laughs> time out on that. You know, this was such a cool thing, a, a great experience over that camp. I have never done a couple things, and, and I've done a lot of things in my life. Um, but at this camp, I got to um, take a shower and use Dawn soap. Now, it gets better. And I dried off with paper towels. That's awesome. They did not provide towels, and I didn't bring one. But let me tell you, I was not going to come in here today foul or offensive. So let me tell you, I am so glad that Steve bought really good paper towels, too, by the way. Like, dude, those, and it didn't take a full roll. <laughs> I was actually surprised. I'm like, that's going to take a lot of paper towels. But that's all free information. I don't know why I shared that. Probably because I haven't slept in a few days. But Hebrews chapter 4. And you're smiling. You're ready. Verse 12 through 13, it says, For the word of God is living. Everyone say living. You know what living is? Not dead. The word of God is living and active and full of power. Some translators will say quick. For the word of God is quick. It means living, alive, and active and full of power. Now here's where the Amplified comes in handy. Making it operative. I like that. Making it operative. You know what? Like, anyone ever had an operation? The word of God is alive and quick, and it is operative. And it's energizing. Thank God. And it's effective. That's even better if it's, how many have, have had an operation and it was effective? How many had an operation and it wasn't effective? Those aren't good ones. God's word is alive, it is active, it is quick, and it is operative, and it always accomplishes what it's set out to do. How many know that about God's word? It will always accomplish what it's set out to do. So 
it's effective. And then it is sharper than circle. If you if you got your Bibles, I'd circle this than any, than any two-edged sword. I like that. Like if you have an option of like different weaponry, like which one do you want? Like here's two hundred swords. Well, here's a really dull one. This one doesn't work very good. I've never really seen it cut anything. You could probably use it for a hammer. Or you can have this one. It's the sharpest thing we got. I've never seen anything like it. Hmm. Let me see. Uh, give me the hammer. No. Give me God's word. It's quick. It's alive. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It, it's penetrating as far as the division. Check this out. Of the soul and the spirit. I like to amplify it here. The completeness of a person. It can penetrate, like, think about this. Like, it can, like, from here, all the way through. It can even penetrate between soul and spirit. Mind, will, emotion. Like, how many know sometimes that gets foggy? It can go... Let's deal with this. God's word is so powerful and amazing and sharp. Completeness of a person. And it says in both joints and marrow. That's the core of your flesh. The deepest parts of our nature. It can separate that. The deepest parts of our nature. That, to me, means like even the parts of our nature that we really try hard to hide. The deepest parts. How many know, like, that stuff that we don't want seen, we try to push that down way the heck down there. Like, I don't want no one to see that. Like, that's... He is so awesome with his word. He's like, and it's right there. Would you like me to cut that out? I mean, no, it's really cool. I mean, if, when you, you've had surgery, did you get anesthesia? It's a really good idea. You're going, where are you going with this, Pastor Steve? Well, if you're out, the surgery can take effect real good. That anesthesia helps you surrender. It's not good to do surgery when you're squirming. Oh, wait a minute. That thing looks sharp. When you surrender yourself, let's get this thing in. It's really good at what it does. This thing goes on to the deepest parts of it. Exposing. Oh, this sounds so wonderful. Exposing and judging the very thoughts and intentions of a heart. And not a creature exists that is concealed from his sight. I think, well, Adam and Eve did some dumb things, but um, really dumb one is trying to hide. But it's just exactly what humans do. We try to hide from God, and then we try to do something like, we'll make some fig leaves, that'll work. 
fig leaves is just a, it's, it's, a, it's our own self-preservation. It's our own self trying to cover stuff. God, <laughs> you see, all through that, every single creature is not concealed from his sight, but all things are, as the word says, open and exposed. And we're going to look at that word open a little later down, a little, little later on in the message. All things are open and exposed. You know, before Jesus, and even with Jesus, um, I'm not always super excited about that. But I tell you what, the more I'm open and exposed, the more I'm enjoying it. There's such a freedom there. There's such a freedom in, in getting in front of his word and allowing his word to come in and do its work and be open and exposed before the word and submitted before the word. The sword of the spirit is an amazing, amazing thing. And I would encourage you, like how many of you have trouble reading the word every day? Honest people, there's a couple, there's like, come, everybody's hand should be up. There's trouble. There's, there's things that come against that. There's going to be like thoughts that are going to come in the way. There's going to be, the phones are going to ring. The stuff, like I have to make myself like get up early before all the stuff starts happening and there's like reasons to not get in front of it. It's super important because it does some supernatural stuff we don't need the natural stuff. We need the supernatural stuff. I don't need to hear the words from other people. I don't need to hear words from all. I need to hear the supernatural word of God in my life because it can penetrate and separate between soul and spirit, cut down through all the stuff, and lay it open right there for me. And it could do surgery, operative work that is so needed in my life, and it does it so easily. It's so sharp. And in the hands of a mighty God, a skillful, skillful physician, Everything's open and exposed and revealed to the eyes of him with whom we have to give an account. Let's not forget that. There's a reality that we all need to live in that one of these days, we're all going to stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and we will all give an account. It says for every idle word. That one, for People who like to talk. Every idle word. Jesus. Jesus. There's just something. Thank God for new mercies every single morning. But it doesn't mean that that's just a, I don't have to worry about it. I get new mercies in the morning. We're all going to give an account. We're going to stand before him open and exposed. We might as well start living like that now. Where when that day comes, we're like, Lord, you already know it all. You've seen everything. I'm not afraid. Here we go. Shoot, I do this every day. I get up every morning. Here I am, Lord. Bring your word. I'm not going to go too deep into this, but there's such an attack on Scripture today. It blows my mind. There's, there's a lot of pastors today that don't actually believe that the Word of God is infallible. There's Bible colleges teaching that. They're, dis, they're like, they have these big discussions, and they're wrestling over, is, can we really, like, well, you know, some of it is just, you know, poetry. 
Some of it is, you know, well, you know, men wrote it. There's such an attack. This is what I believe. It's called plenary verbal inspiration. Every word inspired, every word God breathed. It's the sword of the Spirit. What's the Spirit? Breath. It's that same breath that in the beginning was the Ruach in Hebrew. Adam breathed in. Life. The sword of the Spirit. The Word of God is, it's alive, it's life. It's every single word is inspired by God. Did he use men to write it? Yes. He inspired them. And the cool thing is, is he didn't just override them and they couldn't actually use like how they talk or their experiences or their emotional state or any of those. Like he's able to speak through them. But there's no errors. Like if, if when we come against, I would challenge you, when you come against a passage of scripture that challenges you, don't disregard it. Dig into it. You will find some beautiful thing that will blow your mind. And every time I've done that, I've been like, kind of nervous at times like man i don't know what am i gonna find you don't have to be afraid he is so much better than you think it's not like man did they mess up here no they didn't mess up if we think they messed up i will guarantee you where the problem is right here every word's inspired now don't take my word for it second timothy 3 16 and 17 it's pretty cool it says all scripture everyone say all all scripture is given by what? Inspiration of God. That's a cool word, all. All scripture. Now, you don't even have to say, well, Pastor Steve said these cool words, plenary verbal inspiration. Like, I don't know if I can remember that. Like, what did he say? Is it really all? All scripture is given by inspiration of God, right there. God words, that's, that's it. It's all been inspired. How many know if we can, if, peop, if the enemy can attack that it's all inspired by God, then you can belittle it. And guess what? He was doing that from the very beginning. Did God really say? We're twisting it and perverting it. We better know his word because Satan does. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be, everyone say complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty stinking good. Like, the man of God would be a complete? Are we, are we all trying to grow to complete manhood, the full maturity of Christ? Like, that's my goal. Like, it's a pretty easy goal. I want to look like Jesus. I want someday that, like, somebody goes like, oh my gosh, I just saw Jesus in you. Take me now, Lord. I don't want to mess it up. Because it ain't going to probably last long. Like, that's my goal. Or someday you get in front of the mirror where I have written on my mirror, it's not about you, love. I actually get in front of the mirror someday and I go, whoa, it's Jesus. And I can be like, I can erase that thing now. I don't know how we're going to do that either. <laughs> Permanent marker. Praise the Lord. Um, may be complete, thoroughly equipped. See, you won't be thoroughly equipped if you don't have the sword of the Spirit for every good work. 
Now, I want you to think about something. This is super deep. Everything born of the Spirit will live. Everything born of the flesh will die. Those are some pretty powerful principles. Think everything that's born of the flesh dies. Everything that's born of the Spirit lives. I'm glad it's the sword of the Spirit. His word is alive. It's not dead, and it's never going to die. His word is alive. Now think about this, guys. There's so much of what we do that is born out of the soul realm and the flesh realm. Would you agree? A lot of what we do is inspired from our soul realm, our mind, will, emotions, and our flesh realm. And a very, I'd say a little bit of it is really inspired by spirit. So how much of what we're doing is going to live? And how much of what we're spending time in and concerned about is just going to be here today and gone tomorrow? We need the sword of the Spirit to cut away those things inspired in our life by the flesh. Those things that weren't Holy Spirit inspired. We need the sword of the Spirit that's sharp, super sharp, and alive and active, and it can carve those things out. How many know, like, when you get in front of that Word, and we can, I know the Word of God's a mirror, too. Like, it's also a hammer. It's a light. The Word of God's a lot. It's pretty stinking awesome. But in this, what we're talking about, it's the sword of the Spirit. This is my weapon. And he uses it. And you know whose weapon it is? Whose armor? Who did, where to start? It's God's armor. If he has a sword and he feels it necessary to have a sword and use it, maybe we should be wise enough to go, I probably need that sword. And I don't like, I sometimes get wound up and I'm like, give me a natural weapon. No, I want a supernatural weapon. Like, like I want super supernatural stuff. Like, the natural stuff, is gonna, it's not going to work very long. The supernatural is forever. It's alive. It doesn't die. So, only what is born of the Spirit then will stand the test of eternity. I'd write that stuff down. I think that's pretty solid teaching. Only what is born of the Spirit will stand the test of eternity. I used to tell our youth, like, they should write the word eternity. Some of you guys that were youth might remember it. I said, you need to write the word eternity on your mirrors. See, I, I write stuff on my mirrors. But you think about that. Church, you need to write eternity on your heart. You need to write, put, how many of you use sticky notes? You ever go to my office? I just probably got rid of about 10 of them, but there's probably still 10 more. I got little verses and scriptures and thoughts from the Holy Spirit, sticky, sticky. And I go through them once in a while. Oh, yeah, the Lord said that. Oh, yeah, the Lord said that. We need sticky notes. Eternity. What's going to last forever? What's going to stand the test? What's going to stand the test of the fire? Only what is born of the Spirit. Now, listen to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. He said, for you've been born again. I love this. Not of perishable seed. 
but of imperishable. Through the living and enduring word of God. Aren't you glad? Like, the original seed is perishable. It means it will die. But since we've been born again with new life, we will never die because we've been born of the Spirit. You should, dude, if I haven't slept in a couple days, you should be a lot more excited. I feel like I'm excited about this. (laughs) I like life. It's pretty fun. Like, I like being alive. I don't like being dead. I lived dead for a long time. I like this born-again thing. Imperishable seed is good. Isn't it funny? Before Jesus, you were not looking forward to eternity. You're like, i got to squeeze everything out I can right now. Because that isn't going to be good. That's how I lived. Both feet on the gas pedal. Now it's like, I don't really care about this. Oh, I can't wait for eternity. Because it's spirit-inspired. It's not perishable. There's no expiration date. Man, I'll tell you what, everything's got an expiration date here. you got to be careful when you pour that cream in your coffee. Sword of the Spirit. The Word of God. Now I'm going to kind of flip into a natural look. So remember how I've been showing you like the Romans and how they would do warfare. Like the sword that that Paul is sharing is, I'm pretty positive he's talking about a sword that they would see all the time. That's what the sword looks like. That was the Roman sword. Now when some of you think about swords, sometimes you think about like, and you would think, I need this great, big, long, huge sword. I could reach out and touch somebody. But it's very important to understand how God equipped us and the weapons of our warfare and how we're to use them. Remember the shield of faith, how big that shield was? Now, if you were, and especially in the, well, we call it the cordis formation. That's what the Greek word meant. Um, when you're linked up and it's shield, 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 you've got this big old, great, big, heavy sword and you go to try to swing, you're going to be knocking people around with that thing. You have a short, smart, that sword is what conquered. Their warfare style is what conquered the world. They had a big shield, and they had a short sword that was light, strong, and quick. It wasn't for doing this kind of swinging. It was for, pop, pop, pop. They would get up with their shields, pop them, and then, that thing's got a really sharp point, and it's really strong. It wasn't for, like, yielding all out of control crazy. Like, it looks cool in the movies. Well, that dude got stuck, like, six times already by a Roman. It's kind of important that we know not just what the sword is, but how to use the sword. And... How many know you can hurt somebody with the sword? We Christians have been doing that for a long time. Oh, pull the sword out. I'm sorry about your luck, brother. I might have misused the word of God. I guarantee I've cut a bunch of people up. 
ignorant. Not sitting with the Lord going, would you teach me how to use these weapons? Because the word of God's powerful and active. You can misuse it, and you can chop some people up. Or you can submit yourself and be trained and taught by the Holy Spirit and go, and guess what? Romans were trained very well. You're not going to be linked up with people real tight, close quarters, acting like a fool. <laughs> you're you're going to be in the back. And if you do it again, you might be in the ground. Because their warfare was serious. Are you with me? So I want you to, to pay attention. I just get that visual of the sword. And then the word of God is much like a Roman gladius. That's what it's called, a gladius. It's not heavy and cumbersome. You hear these? It, a lot of times we think when we submit to God's word, is anyone else hot? I feel hot. No? I'm feel, nope. Okay, it's just me. I'm just fat. I'm hot. <laughs> huh? Oh, yeah, husky. That's right. I'm husky. That's what it means, fat. There's a polite way to say it. <laughs> Auntie, you could be husky, okay? I'll, I'll be the fat one. All right. That's a sharp sword right there. <laughs> it's not heavy and cumbersome. Sometimes we think that God's word is so heavy. Oh, I don't know. God, but God's word says, oh, I'm supposed to do this. It's heavy. Oh, how you doing? Oh, I don't just, I'm trying to do God's will. God told me I've got it. Oh, it's heavy. Oh, let's pray for each other. You're laughing because that's the truth. If you're feeling that way, that ain't his word. His word's quick and active. It's alive. It's light. That gladius was a light weapon. For, and it's the perfect weapon. I love this. This isn't, this is like my study. It's the perfect weapon for close combat and created purposely to pierce and cut quickly while being light and strong. I'm talking about the Roman gladius. I'm not talking about, isn't that interesting? That what man would talk about, the Roman gladius, that sword is exactly what God's word says the word of God is. I think that's super cool. It is light and strong. It was created purposely to pierce and cut quickly while being light and strong. Now listen, the Romans trained and practiced with a much heavier wooden version of the gladius. They trained with a heavy wood and there was weights in it so they wouldn't kill each other, but it was a heavier sword. You guess what? If you're swinging a heavy sword all the time and they would use a lot heavier shield than what they would use in battle, they were building muscle. You think maybe God would be setting us up to build some spiritual muscle in our training of our faith getting developed, in our training of learning how to handle his word, and we're thinking he's torturing us. And no, he's preparing you for war. So that when you get in the battle, you're like, oh, dang, this, this shield's light. This isn't cumbersome. Dang, man, I could use this sword like, pow. I can get crafty and creative with this thing.
I'm not, like, you're not going, like, here's your sword. Um, what do we do with this thing? It's the most amazing sword you've ever... Ah! I just cut my fingers off. You, Romans were very, very strategic about how they trained people. They took warfare very seriously. Church, we need to take it very seriously. Now, they would train with heavier versions to build muscle, and then they would also train, and I love this. This is like, it's right up my alley. They would train when they would go to stick things. They wouldn't train with big old targets. They would train with little poles, and they would go to hit a little pole. How many know in shooting, aim small, miss small? Like, when I was first learning, like, when I was hunting, like, you don't just, like, aim at a deer. You pick out a very small part, and you want to get it, like, right here. If there's a little bit of a something you could pinpoint out or on a target, when you're shooting at a target, you're not like, I just want to hit the paper. You're aiming down to, like, and if you've already shot a hole, like, aim at the hole. Like, a small, so when you aim small, you'll miss small. They were pretty smart. I think we should probably do the same thing. Learn how, like, in baseball, like, you will put weights on a bat. Swing the bat. Swing the bat. Swing the bat. Then you get up, and it's like, man, this thing's light. You got to handle this thing. You got to get in front of it. You got to know how to use it. You got to spend time with it so that when the battle comes, you're not going, oh, shoot, what do we do? I don't know. Man, I don't know if I can use this thing. I it's been sitting on that shelf for so long. Oh. No. You're like, yeah. Gotcha. Is it that video? Or did we lose the... Okay, now this is Smithsonian. It's only two minutes... Um, I, there's a better one, but it was a lot more gory, so I'm not going to do that one. But <laughs> check this out. The Gladius. For more than half a century, this short sword was the standard weapon of Roman legionaries, a killing tool that marked the whole era. With its wide, hard steel blade, the Gladius is about 19 to 23 inches long and weighs between two and a half to three and a half pounds it will become the dominant close combat weapon of the ancient world. Roth has studied the Roman's use of the sword in combat. What they did was grab the sword with their hand turned inwards, unsheath it, and wait for the attack, exactly what they needed in this formation. soldiers can thrust their swords without opening their formation. The short, hard blade allows the warriors to strike at their enemies quickly and effectively. The Gladius, a short sword that conquered the ancient world, copied from the Iberians in Spain, perfected over centuries, hardened through special steel. With the Gladius in their hands, the Roman legions expanded the reach of their empire. In the beginning of the third century BC, they ruled over the majority of the known world. 
the way the Romans manufactured and used the Gladius is another instance of their superior technology and organization. It remains a pivotal weapon until the end of the empire. Thank you. All right. So they needed to learn the ways the weapons were designed and how to work together. Church, I think we probably ought to learn how to use this sword together. And so we're not cutting each other up and harming one another with it. That every time we pull that sword out, it's to inflict damage on the opponent, the enemy, not ourselves. Amen? So it's a pretty powerful weapon. Um, now that showed, like, they didn't have any shields, and I don't know. Like, everything I read is like, they're not swinging like crazy. They're having a shield, and it's for up close and personal. And one of the other videos, it wasn't that they even popped that up. So with a spear, they would do that. But when they were fighting other people like that, that shield stayed down. They stayed in formation. They weren't even lifting it up. They were just, they never had to move formation to do that. They would come in and, and, and push, push back, get them off step, and start stiffing. That was a, a walled machine. Like, you would not want to get in front of that thing. It conquered the world. So they needed to train together. How many know in order to train together, you got to be together? I'm a simple guy. I keep it simple because I'm Steve. <laughs> Kiss. You'll get it later. <laughs> but I find it funny that the attack going on in the world today is stopping the gathering of the saints. Guys, we're, we're, we're in a time where we need to be together. We need to train together. We need to talk together. We need to commune together. We need to know how to fight together. Not with each other. Not against one another. With each other. Amen? So we're not going to swing like madmen. We're going to work together. And we're going to use the sword as it was designed. Amen? Now listen to this. This is something I thought was cool too in my studies. The Romans were excellent in blacksmithing and sword making. And they made sure there were no impurities. Isn't this so cool? They made sure there was no impurities in the steel, which allowed them to make a very strong and sharp narrow point. There is no impurities in our sword. It's very important to have a very pure sword that doesn't have impurities. The word of God, and that what that meant to me, is there was no compromise. That's not a very popular thing anymore. But the word of God does not compromise, and it's not compromised. You ever notice that? The word of God doesn't compromise. We can compromise, and we can go, well, I don't know, it might mean that. No, the word of God, it's very, very sharp. It's not wide. It's like, well, it can mean 26 different things. No, it means what it says. It just cuts. It divides. It's like it was... This and that. It's, it's pretty stinking sharp. It's really good at what it does. Now, I am not that sharp. I can have 25 different opinions on something. But the Lord doesn't. He has an opinion, and it's sharp, and it's his word, and it, and it remains forever. And no matter what you think about it or what I think about it, isn't going to change it. No matter what our culture tells us, why it's wrong, it ain't going to change it. Someday, every single knee is going to get before the word, and they're going to realize he meant everything he said. And he said what he meant. And every knee's going to bow. Every tongue's going to confess that you are right. 
what you said is true, every single word. You are alive, quick, and active. Okay, I'm, I'm running. Psalm 12, verse 6 says, The words of the Lord are pure words. Like silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified how many times? What's that mean? Completely. Completely. It was com- it's completely pure. Now the word of God pierces deep into the soul. It pierces deep into the spirit and deep into the flesh, into the very core of each one. The word of God is the perfect weapon for spiritual warfare, church. Let me say that again. It's the perfect weapon for spiritual warfare. Demons don't care about what you think about them. They don't care about your opinion. They don't care what you think. What they are afraid of is the word of God. They're afraid of the sword because it's 100% true and accurate. Now, it will divide. It says it cuts and divides between what? Spirit and flesh, spirit and soul. It will divide. So if there's an area that is being demonized, the word of God is so good, it goes right in and it takes out what needs to be taken out. Now, you know what we don't have that ability to do? We're like, kill all of it. I don't know. It's evil. Kill it all. It won't come back. God's like, no, they're not all evil. Did I, that, that, like, no, just, just carve that part out. You with me? Like, God's word does that. How many have ever seen that happen? You use God's word, and you're like, wow, that was amazing. I just, like, when I do counseling, most of you that's ever come in for some time of counseling, you know you're going to get a lot of word. Now, I have lots of opinions and thoughts, but most of those, they die because it's flesh-inspired. But when it's the word-inspired, spirit-inspired, guess what it does? It lives, and it reproduces after itself. So you're going to have to get in love with the word. It's the perfect weapon for spiritual warfare. It can carve away demonic spirits from the soul. How many know, like, and, and you might not agree with me, and that's okay. You don't have to agree with me. I've just seen too much. You have a right to be wrong. <laughs> well, you do. You have a mind? You have a will? You have emotions? You ever feel like your emotions are controlled by something besides the Holy Spirit? Like you don't have self-control over an area of your life and you're a Christian? What? Now here's what can't happen. Where the Spirit of God is in your spirit cannot have any, you cannot be demonized in your spirit. But your flesh, how many have ever had sickness, disease, and attack and injuries that came out of nowhere? Is that Jesus? Is that from the Father blessing you? Is there, so where does that come from? The wages of sin, the gift of God is life. So if it's death and it's in you and on you, I'm not talking about, oh, I don't, well, Christians can't be possessed or it's only oppressed. I don't care. Like that's not, those are words we make up to make ourselves feel good. The word is demonized. You can be demonized in your soul, in your mind, in your thinking, your emotions. And you need the sword to come in and go, 
divided. You're gone. Get out. Your flesh can be attacked by the demonic. So you need the word of God to come in and cut the cancer out completely. The only thing that does that is the word. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. You can debate with it. You can even agree with it. You can, yourself can talk all you want about it. Well, it's not this. I just, I just need this. Ooh. Choose wisdom. Yep. I got an okay. I just need some more pills. I just need some more pills. That's, that's, I don't have a spiritual problem. I have, I need medication. Now, hear me before you all like, that pastor's crazy. I'm not against medication. There's sometimes we have physical chemical imbalances. Sometimes, like if my leg is broken and it's sideways and I ask you all, will you pray for my leg? And Jesus doesn't straighten it up. You better believe I'm going to go to the doctor and get that leg straightened out. So don't, don't go like saying things I'm not saying. But we can go medicating a lot of things that aren't physical, that are spiritual. And, and you're then ten times the demon. That thing just been empowered by all kinds of stuff. And you're never going to go because you're not believing that that's even possible so the sword won't come in. You're not surrendered to, Lord, cut it out. I don't want it because you've had agreement with it. And if you want to talk about this more, I'm okay with that. I totally am. You can come, make an appointment, we'll sit down, we'll look at Scripture. I don't have a problem with it. And you don't have to agree with me. Like I said, you have the right to be wrong. <laughs> I understand I'm kidding when I say it. It's a joke. All right? For the most part. <laughs> it is a joke. I've been wrong many times. How many of you have evolved in your walk with the Lord? If, if you haven't grown in what you believe, then you're dead. So how many know that man-made traditions are very fluent, and they, they run amok? And, but the Word of God does this crazy thing. When the truth comes, it goes, whoosh, and then you've got to go, uh, is this Jesus, is this the Word, or is this religion? And then you have to confront that, and you go, and guess what? Spirit will manifest and bear witness to spirit. And flesh will bear witness and manifest flesh. That was for free. Okay. I'm doing pretty good. I think you guys are going to get out of here well before noon. Jesus defeated Satan with what? The sword. I'm just going to keep saying that. If you think Jesus thought it was important to have a sword he used the word like all the time we should probably be pretty familiar with that thing what do you think the word of god well there's no hiding from the word this is the coolest thing like even like right now it is so crazy that sometimes when i minister people will come back and they'll be like man pastor when you were talking about this that and that it was, man, the Holy Spirit was dealing with me. I'm like, really? I, I wasn't even, I was not even planning that. Like, I don't, if that, you see, the Word of God was doing its work. It was like, 
I had no, I had no knowledge of it. I'm just doing what he told me to do, and he's using his word to go do the work he's doing in each one of us. How many know that happens all the time? Like, so, so we want to be before it a lot. Amen? We want to get in front of it, and we want to, to submit to that. And it is, uh, it's really cool because my natural eyes don't see it. Our natural eyes don't see what he sees. And he can go in, and right now he's doing some cutting. He's doing some, some mind stuff. Some like, nope, this is you need to get your will right, or come into agreement, or that stuff. He's put his finger on. He's like, I want to get rid of that. Like, he's doing all that, and I'm not doing that. I'm just bringing the sword, bringing the word of God, and he's doing his work. He is so good at it because he's able to see really clearly. I don't see that clearly. I hear him at times on a good day. <laughs> on a good day, I listen. Amen? I'm like you on a good day. I'm praying today's a good day. <laughs> the Word of God cuts into the very conscience. Don't you love that? He goes into the conscience. He goes into the deep places. And, and man can't do that. I can make you feel guilt and shame. Like, I can try to guilt and shame you. But the Word of God goes into the conscience. And, and how many have that happen all the time? You're like, you get in front of that thing, and it just, and you're like, man, I don't feel okay about that. I don't feel okay about that. Well, why? It, it was, I was reading. Holy Spirit, he, he laid it open before me now. He carved away some of my other religious thoughts or some of my own fleshly ideas, or he just masterfully cut it away laid open i see very clearly now and you know what when when the word of god does that for you people don't talk you out of it now when i do that for you you can if i can talk you into it someone can talk you out of it but when the word of god comes and it carves it away and it opens it up and it lays it bare you're not going to argue with that because it's life and it's alive and you know it The word of God is authority and power and opens and exposes and lays bare. That word opens. Well, it's the same word when it says in, in Hebrews, but all things are open and exposed and revealed to the eyes of him with whom we have to give an account. That word open is trachelidzo. Trachelidzo. It means to seize by the throat or neck. That is to expose the gullet of a victim for killing. Generally, to lay bare, open. Oh, dude, that sword is bad. Now, this word also means, like it depends on what side of that thing you're on to be open. Because it also means that it can come up, the word can come, and I wish I had one of those little kids. Well, it doesn't matter. You can visualize, right? You have imagination. The Word of God can come up and take your head and go, look at me. The Word of God goes, yeah, it can open that up and get to hacking, but it also, when you're a son or you're a daughter, 
He's not taking sons and daughters by the throat and going. Now, he's going to take some demons and some people against him, and he's going to pull that back and go, check it out. Away with you. But to the sons and daughters, he's going to pull their head back and look into those eyes of truth and love and say, we need to take care of some things. Sometimes we read these words and we just think of the negative. There's also a positive. How many, how many have had the Lord come alongside of you sometimes and said, hey, boy, look at me. Quit walking around with your head down. Get, come here. I see you, and I'm not turning away. I love you. Now let me apply the word. Let me apply the truth because the truth is going to set you free. I love you. so you can put that really cool feel-good music on. If the sword of the Lord is his word, then maybe his word should be our sword too. If the sword of the Lord is his word, then maybe his word should be our sword too. I, I really was finding this interesting to me. And, and, and I, honest to God, if I was teaching on this in the Word, we'd be doing this for, I'd be going about the canon and how scripture, all kinds of stuff, man. I was like on a squirrel trail from, but hopefully you're seeing this in a little different light than you have. You know, there's something, I, I'm, I wasn't really planning on talking about this, but I, I do want to just share God's word is very powerful, but I think some people have heard me in the past and think I'm against word of faith. I'm not against word of faith. What I'm against is the prosperity gospel. I just don't like the harm that that's caused, but I'm not against word of faith as long as it's used properly. How many know even in Pentecostalism, there's like a wide, like I'm a Pentecostal. That could mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. That could be like, I heard people like, oh, yeah, you guys are swinging from the chandeliers and rolling all over the place. And I haven't swung on those lights. I'm not saying I won't, but <laughs> I haven't tried it. I mean, that would be a lot of power flowing through me. Um, but there's a lot of range in that. It's not improper to use the word of God with faith. It's not improper for children, sons and daughters, to use God's word as a weapon, as a sword. But it's also not, it's not a, like a magic formula. The reason the word of God is alive and active and powerful in the hands of, of people is because you know the word. You know the word, Jesus. You know him. You know your father. You are submitted to him. And you have his name. Like, he gave his name to his children. Ever know that? Like, the name comes down. The father gives the name to the children. So they have relationship. It's not just that they're throwing the word out there. They have relationship with the word. You with me? You don't just go, well, the word says this, and so therefore God's got to do that. You don't make God do anything. You submit yourself to the word. And because you're a son or a daughter, you ask and you shall receive. 
You seek, and you shall find. You knock, and the door shall be open. But we don't make God. That's what I'm not, I'm not big on like, well, I'm going to tell God basically how it is because I said this verse and this verse and this formula equals I'm going to be rich. No, no, it doesn't work that way. Like, and I'm going to give you a real small example. How many remember um, Seven Sons of Sceva? You guys, I don't know who that is. Okay, there was a high priest, a Jewish high priest. He had seven sons. Now, Paul, and this was pretty cool. He wasn't even at this point speaking. He was taking clothing, aprons, piece of material were going. People were getting healed. Demons were coming out of people. And, he, and, and these guys saw Paul using the name of Jesus and bringing healing and deliverance. Paul had relationship with and knowledge of Jesus. The seven sons of Sceva did not. It was a formula to them. Oh, he said this at this point, did this. So that's what they went and did. And guess what? The demon said, Jesus we know. Paul we know. Who are you? And it says they, he leaped on them. And they went away naked and afraid, like the TV show. Like they were naked and beat up. Like, they were jacked up. Guess what? They were wielding something they had no authority to cover. They, they, you don't, it's not a magic formula. Are you with me? It's a relational thing because you know who he is. You know the word. You know he has given you his name and his authority. But we don't make God do things. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and I am not. I'm his son. Now, that means I've got some pretty special privileges and authority and power. But at any point, I start thinking, man, I'm just going to go, like, I'm going to go make this happen. I'm going to go, I'm going to take authority over that. I'm just going to make this happen. Well, the power and the authority of the word of God is when he's inspired it. Are you hearing me? Do you get what I'm saying? Like, I don't just go out and like, well, I'm going to go take this, and I'm just going to run into this situation. I'm going to throw that at it, and by God, it's going to happen. No, what is the Spirit telling you to do when the Spirit says, hey, boy, I want you to go take that thing. Go after that. Go get it. You go, okay. Now, there's a lot of things. He's very generally, generally said, it's yours. Go take it. So we can go after it. But there's other things you don't just come up with on your own and go, well, I'm going to call down this. Hold on a second. God's not like a magic box and you make him jump through hoops. And You with me? There's a Spirit behind that. Just wanted to clarify that. Revelation chapter 19. Still talking about the sword of the Lord is his word. Now I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no one knew except himself. And he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And then the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it, he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. 
he himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. His name is called the Word of God. His name is called the Word of God. It is what proceeds out. I, I think it's so amazing as you see the book of Revelation come into conclusion, the great, big, mighty war. I mean, this thing is building to a conclusion, and I'm thinking, dude, it's about to get it's going on. And it's almost, to me, anticlimactic. Because he comes in, you're thinking, oh, man, here's gonna, it's going to be like, and it, he just, out of it, he speaks. He speaks his words, and poof, the nations are done. It's, he just speaks how powerful his word is. He spoke creation into existence. So he can speak and take care of a lot of things. His word, I, I want, his word is powerful. And it's a sword. He's coming out of his mouth a sword. It's the same sword. And he has given us the authority and the ability and the weaponry of our warfare. And it's not carnal. It's mighty. And pulling down a stronghold. To the division of soul and spirit and flesh and blood. Church, we need to know this thing and train with this thing and learn to love this thing. And I would encourage you, if you don't have, you don't have to be leather bound, but Bibles, actual Bibles, I'd get some. There may be a time that you, your internet goes funky or your phone gets shut off or who knows what. But you need to have some Bibles. Like, you need to actually have the Word of God. And you need to start getting it in you. Thy word have I hid in my heart. Like he says, like, you may have to stand before a judge and I will bring it back to you. But let me tell you, if you've never put it in, he won't bring it back out. He will only recall out what you have put in. This word so powerful and it's in the form of a sword but it's in the hand of a very very masterful Satan and he can take that sword and he can go in and just with the tip of that sword razor sharp ever so gently cut and carve and, and I can tell you when we'll submit ourselves to that and we'll say God what you're saying I hear God, I trust you. I submit to you. And you allow him to go in with that sword as a very, very, very skilled surgeon and go into those weak areas, those problem areas, those broken areas, those tender areas, those infected areas, those areas of poison, and allow him to go in there and carve away those things with that word, with that truth. You'll learn to love it. You'll learn to love the word of God. You'll learn to love when he comes and takes that sword and he begins to divide between soul and spirit and flesh all the way to the very depths and cores of who you are. You allow him, that word, to penetrate down into those areas that we want to hide and cover and protect. And you allow that sword to come in there. You go, no, God. And, and, and believe me, I get it. I'm in a spot where he's going and carving and I've been 
It's permanent. Ah, I don't. Ah, I thought I thought we did that. I thought we did that. He said we did about four layers, but we got four more layers. You're kidding me. And he's saying, remember how good it felt after the first four layers? Lord, I say, Lord, do it again. Lord, do it again. I want to be complete. I want to be healed. I want to be mature. I want to look like you. Carve it away, Lord. Learn to love his word. It's a good medicine. Let me pray over this. Lord, I don't know how else to encourage someone to show this body what I believe you're saying about your word as a sword. Lord, I don't know how else to show the importance of it, that we need to learn how to handle it and train with it. You're not using all this terminology in training because we're not going to be in a battle. We're actually in the battle. And Lord, it I know it's, oh, it's got to hurt you so bad to see so many of your children being abused by the enemy while they have a sword readily available and they're not using it. Or even worse, Lord, use it against each other. Lord, I ask right now, Lord, forgive me. And I pray for healing to anyone. I didn't plan on any of this, but Lord, I do. I just pray for healing for anyone that I've wrongly brought the sword against and caused injury. Lord, I ask that you heal them and forgive me. And Lord, I pray for everyone in this room or anyone online that's listening or whatever down the road that you would heal them from being cut or abused by your word from people who were ignorant and for forgiveness and remove shame and guilt for those who were ignorant and what they were taught or through religion or whatever it might be. Lord, I pray that you would take the beautiful word, that beautiful sword of the spirit and carve away all the injury, all the infection, all the pain, Lord, that you would teach us how to rightly use and rightly divide with the word of God. Amen. Amen. So church, I hope you've been encouraged today. More than anything else, more than you've been encouraged, I hope you pick up the sword of the Spirit and fall in love with it and learn how to use that thing. Amen? Amen. Well, it's been awesome. Um, those of you who your husbands or friends are coming back from camp, encourage them. Tell them you're proud of them for taking that time away. Some of those guys were working hard, drove all the way back. Probably are like me, didn't sleep much, and they're going right back into it next week. Amen. So lift them up and pray for all those guys. Amen. All right, you are dismissed.